Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Podside. Uh, this is Pete. Big surprise. And I'm here with Carlo. I, I guess you could say he's the rosemary to my loose. And uh, welcome to the show. We're going to be talking about A Song for a New Day with Sarah Pinsker. Quite literally with Sarah Pinsker. How's it going, Sarah? Uh, it's going pretty well. Uh, trying to get stuff done. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, well, we're really glad you could make it today. Um, I, uh, I, uh, Carlo is the one with, with more structured and intelligent questions. I'm basically just a ball of enthusiasm. And when I read a song for a new day, um, I mean, clearly you're a very good writer, obviously, but what I saw in there is a fan. Like, I see a lot of things in here that like, uh, make me think you've read other authors because of like certain resonance like this world isn't octavia butler but like she'd recognize it and um it also reminds me of uh equinox by uh shiner and it just sort of makes me wonder like what uh, what's your background with the genre are there are there authors that connect with you and inspire you or like what's going on Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I was raised on on genre, a lot of short fiction, um, and and uh, the stuff you mentioned is definitely uh, touchstones. Although, actually, I can't remember if I've read if that's if Equinox is a Lewis Shiner book. I haven't read that one, but but I'm sure you can see his other books in there, glimpses and say goodbye, and all the all the music stuff because he's he's one of the big uh science fiction uh slash music writers that that I would list as an influence um of, of which there aren't all that many um yeah that that's I never thought of that because I'm so hyper focused on the genre in an unhealthy way but you're absolutely right I mean it's it's there's there's I can't think of many uh science fiction authors certainly within the past 20 years where music is a real focus and yeah shiner with like the the whole like the uh equinox is part of that whole rick and harp thing and i mean like he's 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 literally in a band and i think that's one of the 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 connections my brain made yeah Um, i'll have to check that one out um but but um definitely his work in general and then uh elizabeth hand and uh wilding hall and and her earlier work which isn't necessarily music but related but definitely is music adjacent and music full hmm. that's um, a cool way of putting it yeah yeah i mean there there are people who who even if their work doesn't have music on it like like 
there's there's music to their work and when you talk to them you see it and uh she's someone who I've wound up on like panels about music with I feel like I, I got lost in my prepositions there. Oh, um, but, but there was a sentence in which I, I was on a panel with her about Bowie. Um, it, usually people come out of the woodwork if there's if there's a specific artist. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I can totally see that artist's influence in the, that person's work. But but uh, if if you read her nonfiction, like she, she's got the, the whole, uh, she was part of, of a, punk scene even if she wasn't a musician and she she it's it's in the work for sure and then all of her uh uh the castaneri books which are not genre but are definitely genre adjacent you know i'm gonna spend uh probably a disturbing amount of time thinking about uh like genre authors and their connect connection to music uh stephen bruce is popping to mind now with with like all the all the Jerig stuff and and how drumming seems to come up in every every single novel at some point. Um, yeah, uh, Charles Delint, uh, Bradley Denton. Um, uh, there's a whole bunch of great newer authors. Um, P. Jelly Clark uh, with uh, Ring Shout, which just came out this year. Um, Everybody in the music issue of Faya, which was fantastic. That was a maybe two years ago now, but it was a great issue. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of people. So, I mean, you also, I mean, you're you're sort of like dually in the arts. That there's got to be a way to say that that doesn't sound so stupid. But like you, you've got uh, like stalking horses is is a is a, a vibrant successful band and you're kind of juggling that at the same time is it is that is that ever overwhelming i mean like do you ever have to pick a master oh i i can't say that that the the juggling is successful at this point um <laughs> i i uh Sorry, I was also laughing because I think I hear a dog squeaking in the background. Yes, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. My my uh, dog Chewbacca is he's a hundred pounds and still a puppy, and I don't know what I've gotten myself into. Well, he apparently he wants to be the fourth Mike. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and my dog would be doing that too if I gave him one of his toys right now. Um, but but it, it was such a distinct sound um, that I oh yeah so so I have reined my train of thought back in. I'm jumping on board. It was you asked a question about about juggling things. Yes. And um I'm not juggling them successfully at all. <laughs> I uh I mean nobody is really in this year, I suppose, but but uh I have a fourth album that's been ready for ages that needs to needs to get out to the world and I just cannot make that happen and I've now past all of the hurdles except the ones that are me like for a while there were external hurdles and now really it's me and i have to acknowledge that it's that that i'm the one holding myself back on that um that's incredibly relatable by the way yeah um sometimes sometimes there are no more fingers to to point um if ever if ever there were because even when it was other people it was other people waiting for the go-ahead from me probably um this is just where I got stuck. Um, but I, the, when they're working properly, the two inform each other. Um, and I definitely 
I definitely feel like music music infuses my fiction well. I don't know how well it goes the other. Well, no, it does. the 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 circular part is is storytelling. Like the there there are different modes of storytelling, and some stories want to be a song. Some stories want to be a story. Some want to be a novel. And having all of those tools uh, available to me is a wonderful thing. Um, but I can't say that I that I am not neglecting music at this point. That's fair. Well, uh, I mean, the elephant in the room is is the the great plague of 2020. So I think it's <laughs> it's sort of understandable that you know that uh, music would be you know taking a break because of the the difficulty of having venues and so on, which leads directly to you being a prophet. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna cheekily open the entire episode by asking you, Sarah, are you tired of being right already? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't meant to be nonfiction. Well, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly interesting to see, uh, you know, like because uh, you sort of have like a it's not exactly a fade to black, but there's a moment where time passes and then the really bad stuff ended. So we're still, we here in the real world are still in that. <laughs> uh, right. We're, we're slowly getting to the good part where, where, uh, you know, where Rosemary picks up the, the threads of the story uh, and, and gets reunited with Luce later on down the line or not reunited, but it, it joins paths, I should say. Um, and we're still sort of in that fade to gray, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, I'm the, sorry. Go ahead. The go during, ahead. no, it's okay. Uh, I was gonna say the during is absent from the book, uh, which was a deliberate choice at the time, but does leave leave one to wonder. Um, I, I mean, I think I think that worked out well for the book in that that's part of why it seems so prescient is that is that I sketched it lightly enough that you can sketch this particular uh, present onto it. Uh, which was never meant to be the case, but but yeah. there's definitely far less during because I was more interested in the far after. Yeah. yeah. So so it's it's sort of funny because it, this sort of ties back to your to the the comment regarding like once you know what someone you know like one of one of the other writers that you've met that is either in a music scene or is a musician themselves when they chime in and say oh I I'm, I love this band you can sort of trace back. And sort of backwards, back go backwards and go like, oh, that's how this song, this song or this artist informs this this style of book or this style of writing. It's just sort of interesting to see it the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I was just thinking about that for a second about how you can you can tell some stuff about people's uh, writing style by by the music they listen to. I always like those uh, when, when people put out the their playlist or inexplicable as far as i'm concerned it's completely bizarre that people listen to music while they draft because i can't do that <laughs> at all um but but those are always interesting playlists and then i'm more interested or i connect better with the ones that are uh related to the book or or book adjacent that that weren't actually the music the person listened to in that mm. moment yeah i could see that 
where, where, where it's, it's, it sort of reflects a theme in the book, or you can see how the author is then trying to interpret that theme through the choices in music in a playlist. Is yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That, that is sort of neat. It's sort of like a weird, um, it's a weird, like almost an archaeological dig, if you will. Um, I was just uh, going to say that maybe Pete has a question because I completely forgot the one that I was going to ask you. Well, I mean, this this is this. I'm going to start with a weird collection of feelings and we're going to see if there's a question at the end of it. Um, <laughs> I uh, for I, I, I work in corporate training and I have for decades and. What really got me into it was a cool opportunity that now makes Rosemary hit me very, very hard, which is um, they would send me to India or they would send me to the Philippines and I would go to a place where, you know, they, they, they've got a brand new office and I teach everybody how to do their jobs and stuff. And I mean, it was great for me. I got to do all this travel, you know, the, the, the company loved me. I was getting bonuses. And then over time, it sort of bled into my consciousness. What the other end of this was, was that for every person I hired, somebody else was getting fired. And that was me. And, um, it just felt a little bit too on the nose. Like e- either either you've got a really natural understanding of of like the evils of corporate structure, or you've you you've seen that beast close hand. And I was just sort of wondering which one it is. Hey, there is a question. <laughs> um, I have not worked in the corporate world even a little, but I've worked in nonprofits. And and seen both the good and the bad, you know, seen seen the functional and and less functional, and and some of the some of that can be extrapolated to the to the corporate world, um, or or some of it, some of it, yeah, some of it maps pretty exactly. Um, I think, I mean, the the most char- charitable way to look at it is that that you know companies are always trying to do best by the company. Uh, and I, I think, I think a lot of us, uh, were sort of trained or indoctr- indoctrinated in some way into this idea that, um, your job is your home and the job is the, you know, there, there's a workplace, you know, that will be your workplace forever. Um, and then, and then you see for how that that for most people that isn't the case. That that you know, we as humans are more expendable to the job, and there might be a couple of people who who get to be there for a long time, and then everyone else is, either moves along or is moved along. And I, I think that that kind of goes across the board in a lot of fields. Yeah, sadly, you 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 may love your job. It's just your job may not need to love you back. <laughs> right, exactly. Um so I suppose the the question here is uh or, or rather you know what I'm going to go back a second because this is actually uh set in the same world as Our Lady of the Open Road, right? Indeed. Uh, how does that tie in, or, or where in the timeline would uh, those two be? It's a 
Good question. It's a little tricky because it doesn't scan quite right. Uh, Our Lady of the Open Road, to my mind, sort of exists in between the second to last chapter and the coda in in a long stretch there. Um, hmm. Or possibly, because I had to, you know, you can't retroactively fix things. There are things I, I could have, there's nothing, I love Our Lady of the Open Road and, mm-hmm. and it says what it needed to say. So I, I didn't want to include it. I didn't want to move on from there. I didn't want to build up to it and include it in that way, which are some of the ways that people often include a story that's already written. But that means that sometimes the timelines don't quite jibe. Um, so, so it doesn't, it doesn't quite jibe, but it, it, it lives sort of in, in one of those spaces. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Did, I guess my other question would be, did a song for a new day come from maybe notes that you had made for our lady of the open road and then realized that you had more story to tell or, or how, um, how did it come about? I, I felt like, I mean, I felt like our lady of the open road was complete. So it wasn't about filling it in. It was, well, frankly, it was, I wanted to write a novel and I had not, I, I had, I'd written, you know, a, a few things that were vaguely novel shaped that I didn't love before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Our, Our Lady of the Open Road has, has, you know, Luce is the main character and she was the easiest voice I'd ever written. Like, like that, that is a 15,000 word story that I wrote in two days, which is not my usual pace. It was mm-hmm almost intact I, I had to do very little editing like that that voice was just easy for me the world just spilled out it was it was a story that was easy for me to tell and so when I thought about writing a novel the easiest thing I could think of in terms of slipping into a voice and and rediscovering a world that I had created was this one so uh, that that's pretty much where where it came from and then I had had to figure out um i knew that some people gave the advice that you should you know say what comes next but i what comes next didn't feel fair to that story because that actually felt like a complete story and what comes next implies that it wasn't um and the other advice that people give is to build up to the story that that you had originally published um and again it by the in, in writing a story that built up to it, I realized I couldn't build up to it. That it was, so it's sort of an alternate reality from the other one, if that makes sense. No, it they're, makes they're perfect sense. They're almost parallel, but yeah, like a little branch off of it. Yeah, I yeah. gotcha. So it, it's sort of interesting because that's uh, the the building up to it. I just uh, I think earlier this year or what is time? I don't remember if I read it this year or last year. Um, read uh the trader baru cormorant uh uh-huh. at, at long last and i i wanted to not read the short story and then compare the two afterwards and uh, the short story i mean as essentially there's like you know whatever seven seven thousand words or whatever the story's length is uh added to the end that is exactly maybe not precisely but it is almost perfectly the same story 
uh, with a little bit more there to give it the context and, and sort of weave it in, which isn't a knock. I'm just saying it's sort of, it's sort of an interesting way to approach it, uh, which is interesting because here, in, in your case, you did not do that, uh, which makes sense. I, I think it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, so uh, I... I uh, Pete, do you have anything else? I can riff one other thing off of that, which is oh, the, go the, for novel, it. the novel that I uh, have coming out in, in May, uh, which is called We Are Satellites. Um, I also, is also based on a, a couple of my stories. Um, and and it, it is a funny thing because every one of those stories feels complete to me. Um, and this time I did include them. They're all sort of woven into it's uh, two, two different, wait, it's either two or three stories woven. I think it's three uh, that that are sort of woven into the early chapters that, that were complete at the time that I wrote them, but they also felt like a jumping off point. And so for those, I I wove them into the beginning and then moved on. Uh, for a number of years after that. Uh, so, so sort of a different approach to expanding a story uh, while still honoring the story as it existed. Hmm. So that is sort of, so does it, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure how to phrase this because the only reference I have is like a, a Queen of the Damned where she starts off with a bunch of disparate characters moving towards the a concert and then there's a hard break and that the concert happens and it switches point, points of view. Is that the type of structure you're going for there? Uh, no, it's just, it's a, it's a family. It's about a family and how they deal with a device that's become popular. And I had written a number of stories uh, that had explored this device that I had come up with um, in the short term. The stories were all, early uh early on as it uh they were all about this one family but they were all early on as this device became more popular and and so the the novel was well what happens after several years so it's another i guess you could look at it as another you know before and after but not not the same not, not to the same degree and hopefully not, not hopefully <laughs> hopefully not with with all the events that happened to make that after right. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yes um yeah so i i did want to point out uh one of the things that uh was sort of interesting is specifically in a song for a new day is that you you do loose and you do rosemary but instead of having rosemary be another first you know, first point of, you know, first person point of view, you have Rosemary in a, like a tight third, uh, and Luce is the, uh, first person point of view character. So was there any, any reason that you decided to do it, do it that way or? Uh, Luce was always a first person character and no, I, I, I wish I could say there was a story reason, um, but I think maybe un underneath it was it was that I had to to learn Rosemary, but she was a little bit more at a distance from me, and and I had and to there. kind of 
come to discover her and uh, she she was a little more uh, a little more reluctant with her details so so um that it it felt like a way to that that she would give what she wanted without giving me the stuff that she didn't want to to reveal yet well that really makes a ton of sense to me because like of the characters she is in her own way the most corporate and like we're we're conditioned to be interchangeable parts so i I don't know i I, in some ways i think it's kind of cool that she was harder to suss out yeah i mean she was just a i mean loose is not me but there there are enough elements of of the things that i'm interested in passionate about and my experiences in loose that that you know she's she's just a very easy character for me to write i could write another book which i'm not doing but i you know i i can i can slip into that character easily um and rosemary took a little uh rosemary's just you know farther from me so Hmm. So I didn't make the loose canon connection at <laughs> all, and Carlo had to point it out to me moments before you popped on for the episode. So you got me. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, I pictured she she's got this secret punning side. So, um. well, it's sort of funny because uh, one of the one of the first things we we sort of discover about Luce is that she doesn't reveal much to her bandmates at least you know in in the part before you know before the pox and all that stuff and uh it's sort of funny because that's that's the character trait that her bandmates had but it's actually you know sort of in a metatextual sense you're writing rosemary to be very bottled up and sort of reserved like i would say someone that actually has learned how to keep very keep different parts of themselves very compartmentalized even from themselves uh due to being raised in a corporate culture i just i'm not even sure that there's a question there yeah i think rosemary never had a choice and loose uh loose had a choice of what she wanted to reveal and what she didn't but i think she she wanted to reinvent herself and that's what she did and she gave herself this name that was oversized you know a name a name that was ridiculous and oversized that she pushed herself to grow into um and and what she wants people to see is what she tells them and what she or what she wants people to see is what they see and what she wants to tell them is what she tells them and um so she has to learn to step outside of that too as part of her growth in the book um and i think kind of some of the some of the tragedy of it is that as she's learning that lesson you know people become more isolated it's which has a parallel right now i suppose Hmm. you know i i should have asked this oh i don't know 25 minutes ago but like how do you two know each other i assume it's through writer circles in baltimore uh do you want to go ahead sarah oh yeah yeah uh we know each (laughs) other through the uh the baltimore science fiction society's uh critique group um which was uh which is a wonderful group i haven't been in a long time but it's still going strong um and uh 
it's an open critique group and uh, we were both there right as the group started um, and there was this really cool core of of people who were just interested in in improving their craft and it was it was a very very uh helpful thing to me and i think to everyone um i think i think almost all of that group was was published or has been published by now um yeah pretty much yeah yeah yeah. and and that's the case for a lot of the people who followed um there's a a really vibrant uh science fiction scene in baltimore there's a great reading series and um all kinds of stuff but uh a little dormant right at this moment, but but uh, everyone is here. Well, I sometimes I think we're going to talk to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, tr- well, I'm trying. I'm trying. You're you're doing great at it, man. It's well, it's just it's such a cool way to sort of like uh, like to, to to dig into the 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 science fiction scene at all is like something totally arbitrary like one particular city and going deep on that it's not our intent but i mean the payoff is fantastic like uh sarah i mean i i i i have known your name for a while but i hadn't picked up your book until we started talking about this and i am so glad i did i mean i mean i i know it's weird to have people compliment you in podcasts so i'll 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 back down but like this is really good well, thank you. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. um, but and that was the cool thing about that group is like everyone is really good. Like I'm sure you've read Carlo's stories. Carlo's stories are great. And it's uh, I don't think it's like it's something in the water, but I I think that when you've got a group like that, that that um, and and a scene like that, it can kind of nurture nurture people and and push them to improve um i've seen it in a, in a few other cities too where there's good scenes and and people show up for each other's readings and and come come up together like like a another science fiction has a lot of cohorts i feel like like you can have a cohort of uh people that you went to a, a workshop with if you're someone who who was fortunate to do that or people um or people who come out of a a certain con or an online group. There, there's all kinds of ways to to come through. But but um, th- this one has been pretty neat in that there there's so many people and and everyone's cheering each other on and everyone's seeing some level of success, which is wonderful. Yeah, I have a question for both of you. Um, and Sarah, as you, as, as you might've picked up, I'm more of a super fan than anything. Like I'm, I'm excitement behind the project. So like when people talk about writing in the process and, and writing groups and all of that, I have, I have nothing beyond what I've heard in these interviews. And so I keep wondering about the first step. I mean, you've got, you've got ideas and you've been right. You've been working on a short story, like how do you go from there to connecting to these writing groups? Like, do you, do you know somebody first or do you, do you check the newspaper? Like what, what's the trigger? I, I think I literally checked the newspaper and it happened that it was right at the time that this group, group 
was starting to meet. I don't was I there for the second meeting, Carlo, or like something? Yeah, like second or third. Yeah, or something like that. yeah. It was right when they were starting. Um, a bunch of them had been going to a non-genre uh, critique no, group no. that was meeting no. at a bookstore, um, but but sometimes looked askance at at some of the genre work, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. There was a yeah. The you're talking about the follow the buffalo, yeah, which yeah. is uh, it sounds like a very evocative name, except that it was just very literal. You just uh, it was at a they'd hold it at like this Chinese place or something like that, and there was a picture of a buffalo on the far wall, and that was just the instructions: just follow the buffalo. We'll be sitting there. Um, but I, I, I misspoke. Uh, you were at actually the first one, as was I. The only reason I knew it was the first one, and you know, went to show up, is because uh, uh, our um, the 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 guy who founded it, Alexander, um, he told us basically to show up there. I uh, actually told me to show up there, and you were there. And I remember I brought like some thing, something that I just banged out. That, that I actually afternoon. know exactly what story you brought. Yes, yes. I, I'm remembering that because I'm thinking, shit, that never got sold and I should probably go back to that and rework it or something. Right. And the thing is, what I remember is like we went around that night and the stories were good. Like I was, I was like, I've been to other, because I think, I mean, back to your original question, which was like, how do you find that? Like not everyone goes looking for it, but um, if you're craving writing community, like that's one of the ways you, you can either find it sometimes at a, at a reading series, especially if they have like, like, hey, come to our reading series, and then they'll be mingling afterward. Like sometimes there's an invitation to more, but um, but a critique group is is one of the ways into writing community. And right at that moment, I was very much craving writing community, and and I got to this group, and it had both. It had writing community built right in, but also the quality of the stories was was high and that's important because you uh, you you want people who will push you and you want like, like my my ideal in a writing group is always people you want to impress <laughs> like, you know like who, who you respect enough that you want to impress them so I remember it like exactly the stories that everyone brought that first night because because I was like oh I need to like make sure I keep my game up this is this is a group of people I would like to meet with and work with and improve with um, and and that's how you get community in in this field uh, in large part. Yeah. Spe speaking of Sarah, if I'm remembering correctly, you brought the one where it was the 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 attic. I I forget exactly what Is that. The what I, okay, was. I can't remember what I brought, but that would make sense. Yeah, where uh, the guy goes up into the attic and just like freezes. Or sits in the was it like a weird uh, lazy boy that was at, like mothballed up there, and then he just sort of like stopped. It was just sort of funny because I, the thing I remember the most is that the solution was to throw him out the paddock window to get out of the the time stop field or whatever it was. Spoilers. It's just sort of funny. <laughs> uh, Welp. Uh, sorry, I don't even I don't even know what the name of the story is anymore. Uh, you've got some interesting parts there because that isn't actually what. Like you, you've got elements of it, and either that was what the first draft was, which would be fascinating, or <laughs> or something like because that isn't how it ended. Like that isn't those aren't that isn't the meat of the story as it is in Uncanny, um, yeah, published a couple of years ago. But that is probably the bones of the story, while not 
for me. So I, yeah, I guess I so it's spoilers for the first draft of a story that showed up in Uncanny. Yeah, Sorry, I was just <laughs> giving um, you a headache, man. <laughs> no, no, it's but, all good. <laughs> yeah, and your yours had to do with the with the steps on a tower. Um, it was it was my basic premise yeah. was that they had cleared out the the library of Babel from Borges, but they'd made it into a prison. So yeah, and the, but the prose was beautiful also. Thank um, you, thank but, you. I tried. You're welcome. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Uh, but there was uh, kind of similarly like the first time I went to there. There's a workshop, um, like an invitation only workshop called Sycamore Hill. Um, that the first time I was invited, like you get this call and you say yes, um, generally speaking, if if you have the wherewithal to get there um, and to spend a week. And um, and then the, once once everyone has said yes, then they tell you who's going to be there. So, you know, I had I had some stories out. I was feeling pretty good about them. And um, I got this call and I was like, sure, why not? I'll go I'll go to writer camp for a week. And it's a peer-to-peer workshop. It's the same as any other writing group where you you get to meet and um, critique each other's work on an even basis. There's no teacher. Um, and they said, okay, well, the group this year is going to be uh, Ted Chang, Molly Gloss, Karen Joy Fowler, uh, Maureen McHugh. I'm blanking on who else was there that year. Um, Christopher Rowe. Uh, why can't I remember who else was there that first year? Matt Kressel, I think probably. Um, Kaini Ibora Salam. Um, I, I am struggling now, but the point being that there were like 12 of us, and it included 12 of my favorite short fiction writers, and I like nearly <laughs> imploded from having to peer to peer critique. Ted Chang and Karen Joy Fowler and Molly Gloss, who are, as far as I can am concerned, like masters of the field. Um, but you you still have to find ten minutes worth of stuff to talk about, um, <laughs> and and critique in their work, and and just this moment of oh, I really have to up my game, you know, both as a critiquer and also I have to bring the best story I can possibly bring. Like, like this is not something that I can just, you know, you, you can't just draft something quick and bring it like it, like you want it to, you want to be worthy of their time. And so I've, I've been four times now. And um, I think that all four of those stories were the best, stories i've ever written because just from the act of saying i had you know i have to up my game in order to to be worthy of this honor of being at this place and yeah i mean i I was just going to jump in and say that um that sarah mentioned something really important here which is um you know and, and this is just general sort of advice to anyone who is interested in writing and finds themselves a writing community. You know, basically if, if your, your peers in that writing community are not good critiquers uh, and that's a, that's a, it sounds harsh, but honestly, if they can't give you fair uh, feedback and without being a jerk about it, or, you know, just sort of like blaming you for sucking or something like that, 
that's not for you, man. <laughs> it's, it really isn't. You can find yourself another critique group. Yeah, bad, bad it's, critique it's, is dangerous. Like it, it, it can be demoralizing, but it can also lead you totally astray. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and that's the thing. You know, you also need to know, uh, as, as an author yourself, uh, you need to know where, where someone's slipping into, like the critiques don't change what you want the story to be, which is, is difficult because if, if you, if you want to sell something, you want it to be, you, you want to take in, um, advice to make it as broadly appealing as possible. But sometimes people are, you know, they just don't know what your story is about and you have to know what it is. Right. And, Learn, uh, learning that, what that to that say, kernel, yeah. what to say. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, just learning, you know, what to take out of those critiques and then, and then conversely, uh, the the skill of critiquing other people's work is worth developing because often you learn more from the act of critiquing others than than you do from from the comments you get on your own work. Um, yeah, and, and and I mean, and and conversely to that, <laughs> you also realize what interests you, uh, you know, in in your you know what you'd like to write about. Because there, there can be you can give equitable and, and good critique of something that doesn't really doesn't really speak to you, but you can still do it, uh, and that's it, it's a hard it's a hard um, I think it's difficult to manage, but it's a, it's not an impossible juggling task. Uh, but you know, from that you can be like, ah, oh, well, you know, I, I know that I like this type of thing better, which sounds sort of weird. And sort of uh, confrontational, but I mean, at least that's the way sometimes I view things. Uh, I don't know if that's something that you take away from that uh, that process as well, Sarah. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. But so no, go ahead, Pete. <laughs> oh well, I I just I thought this might be a good chance to uh, uh, talk about people buying and reading Sarah's stuff. Oh, I think that's a great idea. Okay, so Sarah, if if somebody is 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 new to your work and wants to get started, like where where would you where would you push them, and where would they go from there to ch to check out your writing? Um, well, if if they like short fiction, right right now it's easy because if they like short fiction, then I'll <laughs> I'll tell them to grab the collection, and if they like novel length fiction then i'll tell them to grab the the novel um i imagine that once you have a third book it becomes harder um, so i look forward to that um in in may i'll i'll have to discern between the two books um the two novels but but uh at at the moment that that's what i would say i i'm i'm a short fiction writer in my soul i think and i I love like this particular novel is also very close to my heart. Um, and I'm sure that every novel is close to your heart for different reasons. I don't actually know if that's true. I have to write a few more and I'll find out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, both of these books are, are very good introductions to, to me, but from a, from different angles. Um, and then there's a lot of stuff online too. If you, if you need to dip in before you buy yeah. Well, I, I, I would also push them to uh, read, speaking of online, uh, your current 
uh, most recent one is that I've read at least uh, is the um, Two Truths and a Lie over at Tor.com, which uh, was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, can we have more of that? <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, um, I, I find in the couple last couple of years, I've I've been in a creepier mode <laughs> like um which felt a little i was guilty like feeling guilty over it for a while because because for a while people were po pointing to me for hopeful fiction i think i do write hopeful fiction but um in the last in the last couple of years i've i've written a handful of darker stories and had a lot of fun with those so um two truths and a lie is definitely a dark story and was very exciting because I got to work with Ellen Datlow um, as an editor for that. And I have read so, you know, I, I've been such a fan of her work for so long. Um, yeah, she's, she's been editing like horror anthologies for what is it now? How long? I, I uh, think, I, I mean, I'm guessing several decades 80s. at least. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's when I started reading them. Uh, but, but yeah, her, her taste in horror is fantastic. So, so to have a story that that Ellen calls creepy, I, I'm over the moon about that. Um, and, and I guess the one I'm writing right now is another creepy one. So I've got a couple more creepy stories in me, but maybe maybe post election I'll get back to the hopeful stuff again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I'm I actually I haven't hit the short stories yet. It's it's sort of unusual for the show to to jump to the novel without reading a series of short stories. So I guess I'd know what I'm going to do after this, this discussion. So, um, you know, thank you. This is kind of a neat opportunity. I, I would like to point out to uh, the listeners, if you're a terrible researcher and you just want to find the stories, you can go to sarahpinsker.com and hit the fiction section. And there are links right there. Yeah. With apologies for my terrible, uh, coding it's a it's a, not the prettiest site right now but but uh it's functional <laughs>